This is part two of a three-part podcast. Hi, my name is Ryan. I've been a supporter of Paul's for many years now. I wish to get the podcast and video creation part of the system we call Paul back up to full speed. And I think Patreon support is a big part of that system. Go over to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. Make a pledge for each artifact that Paul creates. Again, the site is patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton. You can also find the link in the podcast notes. Enjoy the podcast. Jeremy's online, uh, one of the ants. He says, that's what the Earth ships do. Yes, that's true. Now, on Outer Nabby, um, we do have that whole thing about how we're trying to not have solar gain, and there right. would be probably some solar gain there. Um, but I don't know. I think that kind of wouldn't be. And then the, the downside also would be that if we put that solarium there, then and we're trying to say, like, annualized thermal inertia, isn't it great? I think uh, we would have 90% of the people would look at it and say, there's no such thing as annualized thermal inertia. That's obviously passive solar. Right. And so we, so I kind of felt like there's all kinds of things we're doing to Allard and Abbey in order to be able to prove a point. And so I had to veto that beautiful idea of the solarium. Yeah, but it's the kind of thing that somebody who's just building one and not trying to tinker and experiment and prove things, you know, they could do that. Yes. Oh no, I I think I think passive solar mixed with a wafati is a great marriage. Um, I I think that that would be really great. So now the other thing was is that I also ended up nixing the idea of the double wall because I wouldn't be able to be stopped from putting bees in there. And then it's like, oh, there's no such thing as uh, annualized thermal inertia. That house is heated by bees, yeah. <laughs> which, which I'm sorry, I, that would also be kind of cool. Yeah, I'd like to be able to say our house is heated by bees, and so that'd be really, really awesome. But it's like we gotta prove the annualized thermal inertia, so that idea was nixed. Also, so we ended up doing straw bale, and and it's like, and it ended up so beautiful. Um, it's it's a such a good looking wall now, and it's well done. And and we gotta we gotta give a shout out to all of the natural building experts that all stopped by. And yeah, you got a time. A donkey uh, came by twice and um and 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 helped with you know, okay. No, you got to do this this way. And then, of course, he got so excited and just you know giving a quick note just helping showing a little bit that it's next thing you know he's there 12 hours a day like you know no no that's not how you do this you do it like this and so uh there was a lot of that and then uh last fall uh i brought in um uh donkey and mud and erica uh you know it's like and i told him okay year after year after year we kind of have this thing where it's like you know the smart thing to do is do this little thing this year, and next year we'll jump on the big thing in a timely fashion. But, of course, by then everything's different and changed, and there's different people. And and so what I did was last fall I said, look, here's what I want. I want you guys to come down. I want you to brute force this thing to being done. But as they were brute forcing it to being done, then uh, we discovered the whole thing about, the nine feet of dirt on the roof. 
And it's like, and so I made the decision, like, we got to take that off and do it right. That yeah. nine feet, that's just nuts. Yeah. I'm, you know, uh, I'm impressed that the building held that. I think that that shows, uh, that, that says a lot about the engineering there. And, yeah. and and what a what a well structured building it is, um, and which by the way I gotta say that um, uh, I think it was uh, two years ago, yeah, where we had some structural issues with with Allerton Abbey, um, and it was and now in hindsight it's like well of course you had nine feet of dirt on top no wonder, but there were a couple of things that were concerning. And we're going to get into that in a little bit. But um, uh, we I gave a tour, and I think it was in October that I gave this tour, and there happened to be two engineers. And I know one of them was Alan Booker, um, but he's an electrical engineer. Yeah. Um, uh, however, extremely sharp guy. Um, and then the other, the other one was, I believe, either a civil engineer or a mechanical engineer. I think it was a civil engineer. But both of them said that the building is now over-engineered and, and therefore extremely safe. So we had some non-engineer people stop by and, and their advice, uh, was, and, and it's like one of them was being paid to actually, um, clean up the building and, and bring it into good repair and stuff like that, just small things. And it was like, their, the advice from both of these people was burn it to the ground. And start over. And I, and now I'm an engineer. And I actually, before going into software engineering, I, I actually studied engineering. Uh, that's what, like that was, and I kind of thought it, it's, so when I was in college, it was, there was, a, I was in the program called engineering. And it's like, well, what kind of engineering? All of them. <laughs> and I don't know, I took to it like a duck to water. But the, the important thing is, is that, uh, I, I, um, I think I'm pretty good at running the numbers in three dimensions and, and I do a, a pretty good job. In, so I think that the, the structure is at a great design and it feels great to have that kind of validation for it. But, um, <clears throat> and I think we'll get into some of those. The, the, the key is, is that it's, it's been validated repeatedly to be a, an amazing and excellent and sound, strong structure. And not only that, but we're sitting on the shoulders of Mike Ayler's work and, and his stuff has been validated over and over and over again to be, um, superpowers in the world's, uh, world of, of buildings. Yeah. All right. Going back to the, uh, I'm going to read my last notes from the uphill wall. Uh, the first wall was a quickie stick frame replaced with a poorly done straw bale wall replaced with a first class straw bale wall. Uh, and then there's the things that we uh, considered that we didn't do. Now, uh, the first class straw bale wall is there, but there's an issue. And that is that when we get to the top, we're finding that, okay, there's the layer of logs that's that are that are above the straw bale, but there's it turns out there's another layer of logs on top of that. And so we couldn't get the cob up and between the layers. And so air kept coming through right there. And so we had air moving through the structure and we needed to seal it up. Um, 
and then so this was the problem that we were looking at last fall and uh, having gone through the issue several times with Fred Fred's kind of like we could drill holes in that upper layer of logs from the bottom and then start shoving cob through those holes yeah exactly and it's like but that's a bad idea in seven different ways um, and in the end, it's kind of like, okay, here's the thing that we need to do. We need to take the, the dirt off of the roof, and we need to peel back the membranes, yeah. which will expose those upper logs, and then we'll shove cob in from the top, because we've already shoved it in as much as we can from the bottom. And that'll seal that wall. And that was that was the moment when we discovered how thick the dirt was up there, because um, they they're like we have we, we know where the wall is supposed to be, we have dug down two feet, and I'm saying like it should only be like eight to twelve inches right there. We've dug down two feet and we still haven't gotten there. Uh oh, uh oh. Yeah. And so that's when the whole game changed. So so basically we had all these experts out with the with the walking orders of brute force get it done. We're 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 done lollygagging. We're done with like being patient. We're done with like you know just brute force. And so then we hit this and it's like, okay, so rather than doing the task task that we all came here to do Suddenly, there's a bigger task that needs to be done. It's like 10 times bigger. We have to take off all the dirt off the roof, all of it. And we have to take off um, the umbrella. I mean, we'll leave the underlayer of, you know, the, the, the membrane right next to the structure. But we need to shape what goes under the umbrella, lay the umbrella back on, and then put dirt on top of that. Um. And so what we ended up doing is we rented uh, an excavator, and um, out of all of these people, um, uh, it turned out that I had vastly more experience than any of them. And I'm a, I, I think I'm a sub mediocre excavator driver. I do okay, and um, so it became clear I had to. I did, so we rented this this little excavator because uh, we had the big one. Um, but the but the other thing is the big one was already occupied on another project down at base camp, right? And so it's like ah man, damn it! And you can't move the excavator between base camp and the lab because just like you can't just walk it, you can't just like you know get in the cab and like drive it over because it's got metal tracks and there's paved road part of the way, and it would just eat up the road um, and then people are like oh but you could like get a bunch of used tires and lay those down and it's like yeah that that sounds like you know eight hours written all over it yeah it sounds like let's just wait till the trailer is available or we can go get one or you know all the things uh, so well we've got this big dump truck we call the millennium falcon mm-hmm. it's a it's, it's which is hilarious when you go down to costco to buy oil and they say, oh, yeah, we're having a special on oil right now. You know, my husband has a Ford F-350, and, boy, it sure needs a lot of oil when it changes. The- what kind of vehicle do you have? A Kenworth. 
That kind of stops the conversation, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a Kenworth. Uh, so yeah, we've got this, this old, uh, dump truck called the Millennium, we call it the Millennium Falcon. Um, but it's constantly needing repair. And we've got this enormous trailer that the Kenworth can pull that pulls the excavator. And the trailer is in great shape and ready to go. But it's the Millennium Falcon that, that needs, and it's kind of like every once in a while somebody stops by and they're like, what? I'm here to help. What's your ugliest problem? And it's like, what do you know about Kenworth's? Oh, I'm a pro. And it's like, let's get it going then. <laughs> you know? So that's, I mean, that's kind of like how, how we live our lives here to move everything forward. I mean, I think if a person comes here and they look at all the things we've accomplished, it's like, wow, there's a lot of stuff here. Yeah. And it's, and it's entirely, uh, well, I don't want to say entirely. Majority of it is volunteers stopping by to help out. And, um, had a guy come by and he's like, I'm a plumber. <laughs> what do you got? <laughs> and so, uh, he's like, I've only got four hours, but you show me your worst plumbing problem. I'll probably fix it. So we did. And, uh, I know we got tons of stuff like that. Okay. So, uh, before th- there was that one week and we called it a natural building workshop where we had, um, uh, donkey and Erica and mud here. And, uh, we did get to the point where we finally took away enough of the dirt that, uh, we could, uh, peel back the membrane and, and see the exposed logs and we got it sealed up and got it put down. But then like the moment that we put that back on there, then I think Erica and mud were gone. They had to go. So then Donkey stuck around for like another three days while we're putting the dirt back on and stuff. And then he had to go. And um, so then it was just me and Fred. For a while, there was this guy named David who came by for like half a day. <laughs> and uh, But other than that, I mean, you know the story. You know, I had to keep putting you off on working on the book for that week. Because, <sighs> you know, priorities. Sorry. Um, okay. So the air moved through. Uh the end, the thing was to peel back the roof. That's when we discovered too much dirt on the roof. Okay, now I'm ready to go on to interior framing stuff. Uh, any fun bits and bobs in the chat? Uh, somebody asks here, um, how to avoid overburying the roof? Besides, you know, a simple answer. Well, don't. Don't, uh, yeah. There's great stakes at intervals over the roof, question mark. I mean, what do you got? You got... You got People, oh, I think I understand the question. Like, how do you make okay. sure you don't put in nine feet of dirt? Oh, actually, uh, all right. I think I understand the question. And, and here is the thing that, that I did as an experiment as we were putting the roof back on. Um, so we've got these fiberglass fence posts, which seems like this is something that people just don't use anymore. I had a hard time finding more. Um but I bought a hundred of them because we use them for all sorts of stuff. Although I'm going to phase them out now. But, um, uh, so what we did was, is, um, we got like about 25 little chunks of a two by four and we drilled a hole in it. That was three eighths of an inch that went about uh, seven eighths of the way through the block of wood. So it stopped before it got to the other end. 
and then um, we would stick the fiberglass fence post in it, and we would measure up the depth that we wanted, and then we'd put a little bit of blue masking tape at that point. And then we just, uh, as we were uh, putting the initial scoops of dirt on, we would have these things all over the place, and then the dirt would sit on the, the block of wood, and then the post would still be sticking out of it, and then we would, um, these were all over the place. So there's like these little spines sticking out of the dirt. And then uh, we went and we put the dirt on and making sure that we didn't, you know, like we could still see <clears throat> all of the little bits of blue masking tape. And then once we got it to the appropriate depth that we wanted, we kind of stomped it down by manually with our feet. Yeah. Uh, then we just plucked out all of the fiberglass fence posts. And so we left those blocks of wood in there, Thanks. just scrap wood. So that's what we did. Um, I should have probably documented that somewhere. Um, but uh, does that answer the question? I think so. Okay. The, the other question that was in here was, uh, what are your thoughts on using deep buried tubes to circulate the constant temperature in and out of the living space? Okay. Um, did you say earth tubes? Okay, you kind of your voice kind of broke up there for a little bit. Oh yeah, yeah, earth tubes. Yeah, earth tubes. So what do I think about earth tubes? And and it's like, um, I I I really want to experiment with Wafati enough because earth tubes comes from the passive annual heat storage stuff by John Haight, which yeah. is a big piece of what we're trying to work with here. But um, I'd like to try and pull this off without earth tubes. Um, there are some things I do not like about the earth tubes, but um, there's obviously a lot of perks to the earth tubes. So I would I would like to be able to do this without the earth tubes. Um, plus, you know, if nothing else, uh, the Wafati without the earth tubes is a pretty quick and simple structure. And once you add in the earth tubes, that, that does add in some complexity and whatnot. Yeah, that's true. We've even had people talking about like, well, what if, you know, we rig up the earth tubes in such a way that like a rocket mass heater exhaust could be pushed out that way or something like that. And, and I kind of feel like, um, no, no, I, I would, I would prefer to try and pull this off without the earth tubes. I, I kind of, um, I, I kind of wonder, uh, like how many houses were built without earth tubes and then like what was their story with, um, uh, annualized terminal inertia and then they added in the earth tubes and then what's the new story? All of the stuff about earth tubes that I know of, that I've ever heard of, have been, they, they started with the earth tubes. Um, or they'd never put earth tubes in at all. And so, I don't know, I'm, I, I think it is, uh, it is an interesting idea to be sure. And it, and it's plausible that it's brilliant. And it's also plausible that it does very little. Um, I do think that if you're gonna contemplate earth tubes, that rather than going with John Haight's techniques, I would suggest exploring Don Stevens' techniques. Um, and that's the one where he basically builds the house with the umbrella, much like John Haight. But then rather than having the earth tubes, because John Haight has the earth tubes going 
down and then out to the edge of the umbrella. Don Stevens has basically the, you could call them earth tubes, but it goes down underneath the house. And he even has like layers of insulation around this basically a, a huge mass that is like a, a battery. Right. And then, and then it's like, oh, is it warm in your house? Then activate the recycle system that goes to the underground thing, which by the way, kind of brings up that whole thing that we were talking about earlier with uh, radon gas. It sounds to me like, hey, look, I put in a radon gas collector and I set it up so whenever I want, I can spray down the whole inside of the house with radon gas. Isn't that cool? <laughs> but anyway, uh, I do suggest, uh, you know, if you're going to talk about earth tubes, at least consider Don Stevens's approach. Um, I have seen some structures where it's like, oh, um, it's getting to be like 80 degrees in here. And so then they activate this, um, uh, this, the, the earth tubes, the Don Stevens style, and they blow air through it. Yeah. Um, and then it, it does it. It cools the house dramatically, which means that at the same time, it's taking that heat that was in the house and storing it underneath the house. And then it's like, oh, you're in the middle of winter, and it's like, wow, it got down to 60 in here. You turn on the exact same fan, and suddenly that thing's blowing out this 75-degree heat. And then, you know, when you got it warm enough, then you turn it off. Yeah. So um, I think, uh, you know, it's worth considering. I mean, if we're going to say that the earth tubes from the John Haight style are brilliant – then I'd say that the, the Don Stevens approach is a different flavor of brilliant. And and depending on mostly radon gas issues, if you if you don't have radon gas issues, I would have to say that uh, the Don Stevens approach is superior. So I do like the thing about the John Haight approach. In fact, hey, why not have a house and install both? And the reason is expense, yeah. and complexity. Um, I mean, for a lot of people, having this stuff in your home uh, adds a, a, a type of complexity which kind of screws stuff up. Okay, <clears throat> any other fun things from the uh, the, the, the chat thing? Uh, somebody asked how small the fighties can get, and I kind of responded with pretty small. It's so I know like the, the interior space can get really small, right? It's just you need space for the like, exterior. That's, that's what's going to take up more space. So we had a guy that um, was going to live here forever, and I really like this guy. Um, and I want to say his name, but I'm going to choose to not say his, his name. A uh, great guy, um, big on horticulture. Uh, he planted a lot of seeds here. And I even want to name a couple of projects, but that will reveal who the guy is. Um, and, uh, um, so, but he, and he needed his own little place to overwinter. And so we got the idea of building the 10 by 10 Wafati. Yeah. And specifically for this guy. And, um, when it was, when the framing was about done, this guy decided to move along. And, um, his reasons were fair. And, um, uh, and, and it was a bummer. And it, and it's kind of like one of those things where if you're going to bring in, you know, a dozen people to do something, 
then um, you don't bring in a perfect dozen people the first try. And so uh, there was a guy here who said some unkind things to him. And we got rid of that guy. We sent him down the road. But it's kind of like the damage was done. Yeah. And and uh, so so much of this is community drama stuff. But anyway, um, so we were building this 10 by 10 Wafadi. And uh, once it got, once the framing got about halfway done, I got an idea on how to make it far simpler. And um, so if we had do-overs, I would want to, to do something much, much simpler. And so what we were doing was basically building something with a gable roof. And um, <clears throat> and then the gable roof would extend five feet in the front and five feet in the back. So you'd have, you know, your uphill patio, which is kind of part of Ehlers' design. And, you know, you'd have this really large um, eave on either end, which is part of my design. And um, uh, so I think, I, you know, we're, we're, we're well on our way to doing this. And then he left and we just kind of set the project aside and it's still up there in a not done state. Um, there was talk at one point of somebody wanted to make a little micro library up at the lab for people to hang out kind of a thing. I was, and they never did anything with it. And it's like, but anyway, all right. So rather than a gable roof, I would like to suggest something that's more like Sepp Holzer's style. Um, but you know, like Sepp Holzer would, would make these structures and there would be, um, he would, he would make them like about 10 feet high and 10 feet wide and, um, about 20 feet deep. And, uh, uh, but the back end would be, you know, like it basically it's like you're making a cave. Yeah. Um, would be Sepp Holzer style. And then what I would do is I'd say, no, there's got to be the, the uphill patio. And so instead of the, so there's openings at both ends. But the thing I would do, and then so what he does is he, he has a whole bunch of vertical logs, which is not the way I would do it. But but like let's say you've got like this this tube like thing, and it's got a flat roof, okay. And and then what I would do is I'd put a membrane around that, and then I would put a whole bunch of dirt on the top of it until the dirt starts to spill over. And so now I've got a peaked roof kind of like a gable roof that i just made out of dirt and then i would put a membrane over that that would be part of the hug the structure membrane then i would put the umbrella over all of that and and that would be i would call that uh, a 10 by 10 design so of course it would be on internally it'd be 10 by 20 um, except that you would put, you would inset walls on either side five feet. So you'd have the five feet, uh, five foot deep eaves on either side. And then of course the, um, uh, from the eaves, you'd have to have some sort of design so that the water would run away from, uh, the edge, uh, and then down the hill. So, um, yeah. To answer the question, 10 by 10 would be, I think, the smallest that I would contemplate, although there are some other designs we could talk about another day. Um, 
and and there would still need to be a, a big eave on either end, and yeah. and there is a much simpler design. Yeah. All right. Anything more? Okay. Uh, no, it's, uh, keep going for now, and then we'll take it back. Okay. All right. Interior framing. I've got a note. Um, when the second of three uphill walls was installed, the knee braces were removed. That let and. And I don't remember the guy talking to me about like, hey, is it okay if I take those knee braces out? Are they decorative? Um, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even notice that they were gone. I, I didn't, I don't know. So he decided to take them out because it made it easier to put the straw bales in, I guess. Um, but anyway, that, that led to two important posts in the front sinking about five to six inches we put in double knee braces and dead men to prevent any further sinking in hindsight we should have used the excavator to push in those posts so uh i mean this is a pole structure um and so along the front wall there are four big posts going into the ground to hold up the whole structure and then uh, behind that, 10 feet back, are four more that are lined up with those first four. And then 10 feet further back from that are two more in the middle. And that's the basic structure of the whole thing. So then the front two in the middle sank five or to six inches. And so because he took out those um, those knee braces. Now you'd think like, the knee braces wouldn't make any difference. But what happened was is that as those two front posts sank, then the rest of the structure uh, mm. pushed them out. So that was another thing, too. This this uh, soil here, this subsoil, is kind of sandy, gravelly. Right. And so in, and we put them three feet deep. So in hindsight, here's two things. I think I would have probably placed them four or five feet deep. And at the same time, once they're in place... I think I would uh, take the excavator and put the bucket on top of the post and push down with the bucket such that the front tracks come up off the ground. And so then that would possibly have pushed those posts in the five or six inches until they get so far pushed in that they're not going in any deeper, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about dead men. So what we did was is that uh, we used some roundwood timber framing stuff to um, make it so that uh, we shaped a log so it could be slipped in right at ground level. And it's notched. It, it, it fits notches into the post that we also carved in. So that way, if the post tries to sink anymore, it can't. It's resting on top of that log. That horizontal log we put in at ground level, it's resting right. on, cannot possibly go down any further un, unless it takes that whole log down with it, which, of course, isn't going to happen. So um, so there's the whole Deadman thing. And on top of that, we put in double knee braces. So, um, like, yeah, yeah. So, like, as, as the engineer said, it's now over-engineered. But part of it is is that when we had those two people before – whose opinion I did not respect. But here is one thing that I did, is that they were like, the whole thing is going to collapse and kill somebody. And and I'm kind of thinking, like, I am really sure that that's not going to happen. Um, 
but uh, but I'm thinking like, okay, there is there there are people that are not engineers, not even close, and this is what they're saying, and it's kind of like, all right, so somebody would come in here and see these certain because the thing is those two posts sunk right, yeah, and because they sunk. Then now the the front of the Wafati has this kind of a sway to it in the middle because right. those two front posts sunk, mm-hmm. and it's like um, uh, so they're like oh it's all gonna collapse and stuff. So I'm thinking like all right, um, <clears throat> because of that, and I don't want anybody coming to this building and thinking that because like remember, yeah. we're going to not put the solarium on the front because then people will say it's not annualized thermal inertia, it's so it's like it's it's so much after more than ten years of putting videos on YouTube and thirty years I I'm so old that I've been managing thirty years of online forums. I'm kinda used to what the average human being is going to come up with to choose to not comprehend what's obviously right in front of them. And so I basically came to the conclusion that it's like, all right. I need it so if somebody walks in here that they feel like it's over-engineered and safe, even even though it's just as safe as it was before. Right. You know, and or before it was just as safe as it is now. So it's like, all right, let's do this. We're going to over-engineer the inside. We're gonna we're gonna do so much that it's gonna look like it's it's ready to take on uh, forty feet of dirt put on top of it. So let's let's do that. Um, so that's that was a big part of our of our motivation and what we ended up doing. But but now it's it's extremely strong. Like talk about whatever it is that I should. So yeah, I I would have yeah. I used the excavator push the We got the dead men in. We got the further knee braces. All right, now, on to the next point. When attempting to lift the roof with house jacks, one of the logs made a big cracking sound. This was before we knew there was nine feet of dirt on the roof. Just to be safe, we added a huge amount of additional support, support under that log. Um, so, right, I could go into a lot of details about that, but let's just say there's an, we added another post under that log and another dead man underneath that post. So there's, there's like, an, you know, massive structure in there. And I pointed out where this, I told this very story to the two engineers as well as the rest of the group when they were all there and then um, and I said there was a cracking sound and they're like yeah it's all it's very over engineered now okay uh, most most rocket mass heaters have been built in two days a guy built a rocket uh, mass heater in Allerton Abbey over three weeks adding all sorts of whiz bangery okay so I think I'm pretty good at saying he who does the work. So if you're here as a volunteer and you're going to do some work, he who does the work uh, gets to make most of the design decisions. I'll, I'll a lot of times have like certain criteria and certain reasons why things have to be a certain way. But this guy came and uh, he wanted to build uh, a rocket mass heater. And I'm kind of explaining, like, well, we shouldn't need it. But it's like at the, I think at the time we didn't have all these walls. And so he was – he it was uh, like he'll just build it in a weekend. And that will make it so that the structure becomes uh, livable in the winter until we get the uphill wall and downhill wall replaced and done correctly. And I'm thinking, yeah, okay, that's that seems all right. 
So then it's like, well, I want to add, uh, I've never built a rocket mass heater before, but I do know what I build is to have a P channel. And it's like, okay, I don't think you should even think about doing a P channel until, you know, you've at least built five rocket mass heaters. And it's like, no, no, no. I, Peter Vandenberg is going to be on Permies giving me advice on doing this. Uh, and I'm going to do a batch box. Uh, and I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do this other thing. Uh, so it never worked. This is a rocket mass heater. Well, I shouldn't say it never worked. Uh, you could build a fire in it and you could run the fire, but I mean, like, you had to do everything just right. It was picky. It was super picky. And then a lot of people, anyway, all right. Uh, I'm going to just step back from this and say that eventually we took it out. And, and once we did, Fred pointed out, and this is when we're working on this structural stuff in Allen Abbey. Fred pointed out that where he had it, where he had built it, that the wood that was next to where he built it had rotted. Now, I don't think that it was like a fungal rot. I think that it was from like it got too warm. And, um, and then he, he built it too close to the wood. Without a heat shield between the wood and, uh, his, his, uh, rocket portion. Cause I mean, you are talking about temperatures exceeding like 2000 degrees. And so you gotta have enough insulation between the two. And I don't think he did that. Oh, okay. And so, um, so we found a bunch of rotten wood. We had to, um, and so Fred replaced it all. Uh, and as he did, he put, uh, dead men in at all those points just to make sure that it's like, you know, there would be no issue like there was in some of the other parts of the structure. So, um, so basically the, the end result was something that was much higher quality than the original structure. All right. Um, replace those logs. There was an exterior horizontal log that looked overwhelmed so Fred added another log next to that log so it was a smaller log like a 3 inch or 4 inch diameter log um, it was just a, a support but it looked like the, it looked like that log was being stressed so um, uh, Fred augmented it but I mean a big thing is you look at a Wafati and you might be thinking to yourself like if if a log rots or if a log you know goes bad and however way it goes bad uh you know how do you replace it and then the answer is is that you you know do some house jacks and prop it all up we had somebody that was going to come out and they wanted to do it but they were talking about building a massive crib and i'm i'm kind of thinking like i don't i don't think we need to do that much um i mean we've got tons of trees you know bring in a log to make a, a good uh foundation to put uh, you know, now we've got tons of these house jacks. And it's like, so basically what you're going to do is you're just going to, it's like changing a tire. You're going to change yeah. a log in a lot of the same ways. So we put up a bunch of these house jacks, which kind of lifts up a portion of the roof. Yeah. And now there's this gap between the log and the roof. And then you pop out the old log, pop in a new one, and then set the roof back down. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it, it turned out to be not that difficult. You know, 
just and the only thing that was scary. Then when they when they did that one where it made that cracking sound, first it shouldn't have done that because it was way too much dirt on the roof. But the other thing was is that it's like, oh, what we need is leverage, so let's put it out towards the outside of the log. And and so then I so then after the cracking sound and they called me in and and I came up there and I'm like, yeah, let's let's put it more towards the middle of the lot. <laughs> Maybe we could even do both. You know, yeah. we've got enough of these, you know, uh, house jacks. Let's let's do a few of them. You know, yeah. nice and even, Stephen. Lift it all up simultaneously. So that's that's what we did. All right. Uh, the new uphill wall is beautiful. The carbon plaster on the straw bales is just stunningly beautiful. Uh, the wall is all sealed now. There are still some small cob chores to be done. The facade will be worked on in the next few weeks. Uh, in the next six weeks, we will add some junk pole fence and hugelkultur beds. And Allerton Abbey be well on its way to Gertitude. Uh, the Wafadi Microdoc is out. It has a mix of old and older information. Since whatever we, so there's video of the, of both of the Wafadis being built. Um, and, uh, uh, then there's some, uh, from the tour that we did, uh, uh, two years ago. And then there's a little bit of me sitting in Allerton Abbey trying to describe what's been done and what the function is. Uh, we need to get someone to come and live for a year, probably a boot. So, um, I mean, at this time, I'm kind of shifting everything to super hyper focus on the boot camp program. Um, but um, uh, I'm open to the idea. Like when Emily and Tony came out and they lived in the teepee for the first year, they were amazing. They were just great. It would be wonderful to get another Emily and Tony to come out. In fact, I've, I've explicitly invited Emily and Tony to come back multiple times. Um, and uh, But... It would be great to have someone live in the Wafati uh, uh, for a year, and and the thing I would like is is that they would uh, be cooking like at least two meals a day in there, and, and right. being in there a lot, not not something like they're going to go work a commuter job, no, because like with Emily and Tony, they lived in the teepee, but they continued to work on projects with us. But now I'm kind of thinking like. It would be great if it was somebody that was living in the Wafati where they stayed in the Wafati because I kind of feel like, okay, yeah, let's test the annualized thermal inertia, but I kind of like the idea of, like, if you've got two bodies that are in there most of the day every day, their body heat helps to kind of heat the structure. Yeah. And so, but and for conventional houses, that's not enough heat, but maybe for a Wafati it is. Um, and, and how does that play in? What difference does that make? Okay. Um, I'm open to, I'm open to other ideas, but, uh, a woman came by and she took a video of it and I told her like, yeah, it'd be great to have somebody. So we started getting all these people contacting us. I want to live in the Wafati for a year. And they didn't have, they didn't understand our values. Uh, and, um, so when we explained to them, like, okay, you know, you got to keep it uh, tour ready. There they go. Uh, we don't allow smoking here. They're gone. Uh, we don't allow pot. They're gone. And um, one one gal's like got past all those, and 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 then it's like, but I got this dog, and I said, oh, you know, we all love dogs. It's great. All I ask is that 
you know, your dog isn't hostile to me or to other people. She's gone. <laughs> like, wow, what kind of dog do you have? Um, and, and so, all right. Um, I, here we're getting into Mark Tudor's stuff and I want to address this, but, um, how about, how about this? Um, if you read this, I will run away for about a minute and I'll try to be back before you're done reading it. If you know what I mean. Okay. All right. So, Great. I'll read through the whole post here. All right. So uh, here's the post that Mark made in one of the forums. Uh, that was about a month or two ago. So he says, uh, I watched the Mobile Body Mechadoc the other night, which is now out. Oh, maybe it was more recent. Anyways, Mark says, I watched the Mobile Body Mechadoc the other night, and you commented about certain features not being ideal, or that you would have done some things differently. Obviously, there's still more to learn about these first two, as they have yet to go through the analyzed thermal inertia part of testing. Any thoughts on having Boots slash Ants stay in Allerton Abbey in between rentals now that it has the umbrella properly installed to help charge up the mass through the year? So I think I think the answer to that one, I think what Paul wants is the same people staying in there throughout a year. Um, to really... so. So to have some people in there would be kind of like, oh, yeah, that's kind of a bit of a, um, it kind of proves that it works um, if you have people coming and going, but not the same as if everybody is there at the same time. So I think the goal here with Paul's experiment is that he wants it to be an experiment as if somebody is living in there full time. And so he wants someone living in there full time. And that way, there are all of the same things of like, okay, you're going to be fucking doing these things right now. You're going to keep reading that. So the gable area of Kabu Cabin, I believe someone asked about a loft. And I believe this is where you mentioned designing the roof differently. What changes would you make or want to try? The various... Oh. Various exposed, not earth firm, wall designs in version 1 to 2, perhaps mentioning how the umbrella extends out underneath the ground in the front and back, and if, slash how, this ties into the straw bale and kind of wall. Let's see, Paul is coming back here. I'm back! Alright, so uh, I've covered up to here. I answered the first question already on your behalf. So Yay! you could go listen to the podcast and tell me if I got it wrong. Okay. But, uh, I think I got it covered. Uh, so we're here. Okay. The gable area of Cooper Cabin. I believe someone asked about a loft. And I believe this is where you mentioned designing the roof differently. What changes would you make or want to try? Oh, that is a great question. Well, right now, in both Allerton Abbey and Cooper Cabin, they have a gable roof joining a shed roof. And um, in both cases, the way that they elected to implement that um, is not handsome. And, uh, and there's reasons why. I mean, it's like you need, in order to be able to support the... Eve, then the shed roof needs to have a point of contact that's far back 
and as well as you know in the middle it's like like there's needs to be two thirds of a stick um uh that's that's being weighted onto these two posts so that the last third of the stick can stick out in outer space yeah. and hold the eve up and then you're trying to introduce a gable uh, on top of that from the other direction so you end up internally you kind of see this this gable roof stuff over the shed roof from the inside so there's so you could kind of get this idea of like oh you could put a loft in there because you kind of see what looks like a lopsided loft where if you try to go up there you would slide off that's inside the building and um and so like uh so basically you you look at that and it's like that is not an elegant solution. So what I think I'd like to, to see happen, and and this ties into something I talked about just a few moments ago, is that I'd like to see the um, the lower part where the gable roof is going to go to have a flat roof, and it'll appear to be a flat roof from the inside. So basically what you're going to do is you're going to put the membrane on the shed roof and a membrane on the flat roof. And that's all going to go together very, very nicely. And then do the thing that I talked about earlier where you're going to have dirt piled up on the flat roof in such a way that it kind of makes a gable roof-like shape on top of that. Then you're going to put another layer that hugs the whole structure on top of that. And then you're going to put on the umbrella over the whole structure. Now, so this is, this is this new design that I think that I would like to see attempted for a Wafati. Hell, I'd love to see it drawn up and sketch up or something like that. Right. Um, and, and it's like, uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a poor SketchUp person. I do okay. But on top of that, I've, I've been on Linux now for like three and a half years. I don't think SketchUp's available on Linux. I don't know. Uh, I, I would do it with Wine or one of those emulators. Oh, yeah. I have yet to even fire one of those up. I've got like everything I need is in, is in Linux Mint. But, um, there are some, uh, uh, programs that are like, you know, 3D design tools that are like SketchUp that are available, but, you know, once I, once I start in that, then the only other people that can modify them, like if I hand the file off, would have to be people that have that exact same tool. Whereas SketchUp seems to be the most popular tool. Alright, so, <clears throat> the thing is, is that, uh, you know, would love to see, you know, some of, some of these designs and stuff. <laughs> and I kind of feel like for a lot of this stuff, you know, which includes the Kickstarter, uh, which includes PEP, which includes so many other things. It's like um, I'm I'm trying to move a lot of stuff forward all at once. And for every idea that I've shared publicly, I probably have 20 or 30 more that I have not shared publicly because it's like I'm still struggling to get the other ideas out. And a lot of them are like, once we got this idea done, then there's like a bunch of stuff that we could do on top of that. And so it's kind of like... <clears throat> I, I wish, I wish that we had, uh, uh, a hundred people that had, it was their full-time job 
to help me move all my ideas forward, but that's not the way things work. So uh, uh, here we are. We make the best of it. Yeah. But if somebody were to make some drawings, that'd be cool. All right. Um, the, uh, the various exposed, not earth berm, wall designs in version 1-2. Various. Uh, perhaps monitoring how the umbrella extends out underground in the front and the back, and if slash how it ties into the straw bale cow balls. Oh, that is a great question. So, uh, yeah, the umbrella extends out underneath the deck in the front and underneath the deck in the back, um, and and they do tie in to to those walls. So now, um, uh, we've been using wood duff. Um, there's a, uh, what we do is we, we go to a mill and we can get, uh, like five cubic yards at a time of, uh, of wood chips. But I mean, like, even if you didn't do that, I mean, it doesn't take that much to just comb the forest to be able to get uh, a mountain of pine straw. Um, and, uh, there's all kinds of other wood duff that could be used. But the, and the thing is, well, like, well, that's going to rot, isn't it? And it's like, if it's exposed to, uh, air and bacteria and, and funguses, yeah, yeah, it can rot. But if it's, you know, buried several feet underground, um, no, it, it actually kind of mummifies and, and stays there. And the, the, the greater concern that you have is like whether or not a, a, a branch is going to poke through a, a, a membrane layer at some point. But, uh, yeah, where it, uh, joins, then, um, uh, I mean, it's not that interesting, really. Um, you're gonna have, uh, a straw bale. You, you might choose to put your straw bale on some kind of foundation. Uh, a lot of, I mean, I authentically believe that, um, and, and, and Ernie will argue with me, argue with me about this for hours, and it's like, you know, let's, let's run some experiments. But um, uh, I authentically believe that if you put some prep on the dirt, like it's like some kind of material, like you know, it could be wood ashes, it could be a little diatomaceous earth, maybe a little bit of borax. So it's like there's the whole mix that we put in with the posts. Uh, you put a little bit of that down on the dirt, or even don't, you know, just put the just put the straw bale directly onto the dry dirt. That it will last fine. You don't. You don't need a foundation. You don't need to have something underneath it. Um, a lot of that has to do with this general design of the house, where all the water is directed away from the house. Now, in a lot of the cases that I've seen, it's like, oh, we've built this straw bale wall, and we've covered it with a certain amount of cob, and it gets down to the foundation, and then it's not covered in cob anymore. But it's like the eave. The eave is like. Three inches. The, the roof eave is like three inches. So rain hits that wall, and you get so much moisture on that wall. It's like, yeah, you, you need a foundation if you're going to do straw bale on that wall, and you're going to cover it with a cob that and a plaster layer that's going to be a waterproof plaster layer. Then, then yeah, that's, that's how you got to go about doing it. You have to. Um, and so our five-foot deep, Eve makes it so we don't we don't need that 
Uh, we don't we don't need that weird foundation. And and so we could put it direct. So now let's suppose we put it directly on the ground, and that and that you know half of that ground could be this duff layer. That'll work. Now. I kind of like the idea of like um, having something that is a little foundation-esque, taking two logs and you flatten the top and the bottom, and that they act as a little bit of a foundation, and they 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 sit on top of the um, the, the the duff layer that is going to be the um, uh, the layer that goes underneath the, the ground underneath the front porch. So that's. That's my general design. Um, and it goes down pretty quickly. It, it goes down at a pretty steep angle, like a 45-degree angle down. And then you end up putting a lot of dirt on top of that. So that way your your porch is sitting on top of a pretty sturdy, thick layer of dirt. Right. Now, you, you could travel a path where you choose to put very little uh, wood duff in there because that if it's just plain dirt and you just put you know, a layer of membrane down there and no, no wood duff layer. Um, I kind of wonder how well that would work. I think because it's going to be so far from the house, it'll work out pretty good. I mean, if you've got, uh, like four or five feet goes out, then it's like that, that itself acts like a lot of insulation if that dirt is dry. Yeah. So. All right. This podcast is continued in part three. Don't forget, go out to patreon.com slash Paul Wheaton and make a pledge for future artifacts.